Welcome to Let's Talk Memoir, a podcast for memoir lovers, readers, and writers. I'm your host, Ronit Plank. Today, my guest is Beth Kephart. She is the award-winning author of three dozen books in multiple genres, an award-winning teacher, co-founder of Juncture Workshops, and a book artist. Her new books are Wife, Daughter, Self, A Memoir in Essays, We Are the Words, The Master Memoir Class, and A Room of Your Own, a story inspired by Virginia Woolf's famous essay with Julia Breckenride, illustrator. She is a National Book Award finalist, winner of the Pew Fellowships in the Arts Grant, a National Endowment for the Arts Grant, a Leeway Grant for Creative Nonfiction, a Pennsylvania Council on the Arts Top Fiction Grant, and the Speakeasy Poetry Prize, among other honors. Her books have been named to Best of Year lists and have been translated into more than 15 languages. Welcome, Beth. Wow, Ronit, thank you for such a beautiful introduction. (laughs) <laughs> You're welcome. I mean, I'm just in awe. I I, I thought a, a while ago it was two dozen books, and now it's three dozen books. <laughs> You're so prolific, and I feel like you dapple in almost all the genres. I do, but I have never successfully published a a novel for adults. I've published about three dozen <laughs> short stories for adults, but never a novel. So, is that something that you still want to do? I have stopped pursuing that dream. Okay, yeah. so it frees you up for all the other projects, right? <laughs> I love I love it as a writer, really anything, but when I have something that I'm really gnawing on and I really am trying to push through it and then sometimes that freeing feeling, that release when you realize, I don't think I want to do that anymore. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> that is me. <laughs> In between all the other things you do, yes. So can you share a bit, there are so many books to talk about, but we'll have to concentrate on just a handful here for today. Can you share a bit about your memoir, Wife, Daughter, Self, and the appeal of writing a memoir in essays? I'd be happy to. Wife, Daughter, Self came out of many years of teaching at the University of Pennsylvania. I had published five memoirs early on in my career, and then I'd published a what I think of as the memoir of the Schuylkill River. It's her story in her words, and through that I was very, very honest about my own life, and then began to teach memoir and thought, hey, you're a teacher now. You don't have the right to try to publish this kind of work anymore. So I began to write fable and uh, mm. fiction for young adults, etc. But all uh, I wrote handling the truth about how to write memoir. I really ached, really ached to write it again, because through all of the teaching and all of the reading, I thought there's so much that I have learned myself, so much that I want to try myself. And I began to think of the memoir in essay as the perfect form, because it's episodic, because it's fragments that make holes, because there is reverb and echo involved, there's choreography involved. It felt like I could get at what was most deep inside me, most wanting exploration by pursuing this memoir and essay. And it is a three-part book. It is Wife. What is it to be a wife? And it's a series of essays that build on themselves. It is Daughter, mostly about taking care of my father during the final years of his life. Mm. And then it is Self. Uh, who are we when we are not trying to please or or bend towards another. And it is, in addition to that, very much a book on the making of memoir. How do we find the truth? How do we tell the truth? How do we write the truth? And so 
it is meta in that way. It, mm-hmm. it reflects on, uh, my husband and I, for example, built juncture workshops and we took uh, groups of people to various places like a farm or the sea or a beautiful town by the river. And what it was to build a community of truth and, and the lessons that come out of that and, and how much does being a teacher define me versus being mm-hmm. a writer? And so these pieces all fit together. And then the final, the final, final afterward is really a look at how this book got made, the, the renditions that didn't work, mm-hmm. and, and what I finally uh, said, okay, this is, I, I'm, I'm going to be able at least to live with this version. And so, <laughs> so it, it captures that moment. It, it is the sweep of what I've learned about writing the truth, and then it is all the years that I felt I couldn't write about myself because I was teaching others how to. Now, that is so interesting to me, and I, and I do want to come back to that because I think I heard that you said after you'd published five memoirs, you began to teach it and felt like you didn't or shouldn't write it anymore. Well, I felt that I shouldn't at the very least publish it. So Flo, my, my autobiography of the Schuylkill River, was terrifically me. It was infused with me. It was a woman stuck in middle age, that woman being the river. Uh, but it was, I have a history degree, so there, there was all the history um, flowing through that book as well. But after that, I felt, you know, you're, you're teaching, you're, you're really giving everything you know, every connection you have. You have to be extremely generous and not mm. hold on to anything yourself. And I began to just live inside the stories of my students mm. because I think that's the best way to teach them, to really to inhabit their stories. And in inhabiting theirs, I didn't inhabit mine. That's so interesting. Do you also feel, was there any type of idea of protecting their experience and not using it to write about your own? My students, especially my students from Penn, have been extraordinary. And they are just minutes ago just got a text from one who was a student years ago and now is in graduate school. Sometimes I would write, this is a very interesting question actually, I would write them into my books with their permission, not their stories, Mm. but their wisdom. And then the young adult and middle grade books that I did, I loved my students so much that I would take someone who I got to know and got to love and name characters for them with, again, with their permission. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was very much, they, they are there in my work, they are there in my world, and they always will be. Mm-hmm. It's all part of who you are, right? Especially as a teacher. So this is a complex answer, I think, in a complex question, but is there a way to sort of pin down how the connective tissue is different in a regular memoir and a memoir in essays? Yes, I think it's actually very easy. I think that the, the, mem- the writer of the traditional memoir has this sense that they must, that continuity is above all else key. And so they focus or should be focusing very much on transitions and how one chapter builds out of another. Um, whereas the memoir, the memoirist who writes a memoir, an essay, it, their primary focus, and I've written about this actually in We Are the Words and in another piece that's coming out next year in Craft, um, the primary focus there is to look for 
uh, almost synonyms and rhymes in your own life. A very easy example that doesn't take a long time to explain, so I use it. In Wife, Daughter, Self, my husband is Salvadoran and Spanish-speaking. And right at the beginning of Wife, there is something that I've titled Why I Never Learned to Speak My Husband's Language. And I give what I felt at the time was, you know, I, I write a short thing about that. At the end, in self, there's another piece called why I didn't learn, you know, I never learned to speak my husband's language. And at that point, I have learned something new about that, new about mm -hmm. myself. And so, same title, very different mm -hmm. responses. And, and, and I think you couldn't do that necessarily in a traditional memoir mm -hmm. where you're trying to flow it forward. Now, I've never been a proponent of chronologically ordered memoir, whether it's, you know, memoir in, in essay or a traditional memoir. I do not, I am not saying that traditional memoir is, you know, you begin in the beginning and you end at the end. That is so, so close to autobiography, which is different from memoir, mm -hmm. but it's still... Traditional memoir really is thinking about how does that chapter dovetail into this chapter, and it can, can it can be fantastic. I love traditional memoir, but it can also be constraining. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So is that part of what you appreciate about the form about you know memoirs and essays and nonlinear? I do absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, it's it's a um, it is how I've started to think about my work in general, which is getting more and more compressed and and memoir and essay allows for makes room for pieces of you know long of length and very short pieces there's room there for the prose poetics um and my own writing is leaning towards the odd and uh <laughs> I, and so i can i can i can deliver the odd in some sort of capsule form and then be completely and easily comprehensible in the next longer section it's interesting. It makes me feel like, and maybe I'm oversimplifying this, but because I, I kind of, I'm getting the sense that it, it's sort of not having to answer to anyone. Yeah, that's a very interesting way to put it. Hadn't thought about it that way. You do have to answer, answer to yourself. In fact, it's harder to do. Memoir and essays, I find many books are labeled that now, and they don't even come close to what a memoir and essay really is. Interesting. Ooh, can we talk about the difference then? Like what, what, what you think people are misunderstanding? What I think is that they are taking short pieces that they've done, short essays that maybe they've published in various places and new ones, and they're saying to themselves, this is what I read behind the lines, and also in some of the work of some of my students that I work with initially, they, they might approach it this way. They say to themselves, well, I wrote this. I am the continuum. These mm. are the essays from my life. So, hey, it's a memoir and essays because it's a memoiristic stuff and it's essays. But, mm -hmm. but those essays have not, in books that really don't, don't meet the label, those essays have not been choreographed so that they, the, the pieces of them begin to answer. You know, there might be an open question in an early one that gets answered later on. They haven't been established along any kind of poetic metering of, mm. of theme. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like the whole, the whole doesn't have some overarching connection. The, the whole is not working towards or with binding themes. Mm -hmm. um, and really, yes, a, a memoir and essay is built of fragments, but the puzzle must, all the pieces must be, um, be of one by the end. You must be able to glue it, frame it, and put it on your wall. 
Wow. Right. And so it's almost like for me, and tell me if, if you can live with this uh, description, it's almost like as a whole together, the resonance should be amplified. Absolutely. You've got it. Yes. Got it. And that makes a lot of sense. And I think that I can see how that could be trickier because also I feel that I would worry about not having a deft hand, that I would overwrite in some in some instances. Like you'd have to know when to take things out. Oh my goodness. Yes, yes, yes. In fact, when Wife Daughter Self was done, so to speak, much of it was cohering and some of it was not. And I, I wrote to Laura Stanfill of Forest Avenue Press, and we're friends. And uh, I hadn't, um, I hadn't marketed this book. I had gone straight to Laura, and uh, I said to her, Laura, these six pieces that are here might work well on their own but they are not creating a sort of an exponential rise in, uh, you know, the, the question, the pursuit, the ideas of this book, and I need to remove them. And she said, okay. And I said, and I'm, I'm going to write the pieces that having now seen it all together in, in layout, I know what needs to be pulled and I know what needs to be um, mm. put in. And they didn't necessarily, it wasn't like a one-to-one break, like I'll mm. take that out and put this new thing in. It was that I finally could see what the puzzle was. And some of the pieces were, maybe they were pretty, maybe, you know, people were who knew what I was taking out. How could you do that? That was, that was nice. But um, I, I, I knew that it wasn't creating a holistic book. Mm, right. And it would be easy. I mean, I would certainly, I love to use everything I've written myself and I hate to waste, quote waste, not that anything is wasted ever, but I can see how it would be hard to eliminate certain parts of the work that you've put together, but how you have to, you do. if it's not doing the work you want it to do. And not only that, memoir and essays is a relatively new uh, label, uh, relatively new. And in the same way that I began to teach memoir back when I did, when I wrote and published Handling the Truth, I think that was 2013 when that came out, memoir as a form was getting hit really hard by the critics. Mm-hmm. It was being reviewed, but in the, I mean, reviled in New York Times book review reviews. <laughs> um, and, memoir, and, and I felt with Handling the Truth this responsibility to say, yeah, Look, there's a lot that, that quote-unquote memoirists are doing that is suspect in terms of telling the truth or not, but also in structure and form and language. But look what it could be. And here with memoir and essays, I think since it's relatively new, everybody who traffics in this genre now has a responsibility to make it work. Because if it doesn't, then it's really just, as we said, a collection of essays, and it's not holding itself to that to that mm-hmm. label. And I don't want to say just a collection of it. I love collections of essays. I love them. It's not a lesser form. It's mm-hmm. just that we do need to understand what we're about. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I suppose with your with your students, the, the various students you've had over the years that you've taught memoir to, do you find it hard to get them to step away from linear storytelling or do they seem ready to do that? Oh, it's, it's, it's per person and the great thrill uh, through Juncture Workshops, we've known, I say we because my husband, I do um, illustrated presentations and he's an artist. He, he runs the, the back of house, the website, all of that. We've gotten to know people over a lot, relatively, well, from 2016 period of time. And the tremendous 
tremendous growth that we've seen in in these writers. Some of them come in and out. I just had a workshop with one uh, two weeks ago that I hadn't workshopped with for a while. And what a gorgeous release into into her own work. And, and she sees the difference. But it does take time to say, mm, I'm going to break this. I'm going to break what I thought I was making. <laughs> yes, yes, I totally understand that. And it is so liberating. Even when I make a tiny little notch, like to to another direction, I feel so much better about what I'm potentially capable of. Yeah. In yeah. your book, Handling the Truth, which I do, I do want to just stop there for a moment because you write something that I think is really important. One of the quotes I pulled was, write with the understanding that some lives or secrets do not belong to us. So no matter what kind of memoir someone is writing, yeah. how do you feel they can gauge this and how do you approach this mm. in your own writing? It is so, so, so tricky. I think, you know... I've never said this before, but when, when I, I, I haven't reread that book for a long time, I now remember that line. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we know it in our gut. Mm-hmm. You know, so many people will come and say, I feel nervous about this. Is it okay? Well, that underlying tension, that nervousness suggests that maybe it's on some legalistic or moralistic grounds, you could argue that it's okay, but how are you going to feel when it is published? Will you always be slightly sinking? Even if you're getting all the praise in the world, will part of you be saying, ah, but, Mm. you know, and so how do I do it? What I've always done is shared the pieces that include others, shared, shared them with those who are in the book. And now with my father gone and my mother gone, there is more freedom to, to write a broader truth. However, there is, I think, a greater responsibility to get it right. And so if, there mm-hmm. is, if there's darkness, and I know you've experienced this in your own life, but mm-hmm. if there's darkness, for example, with your mother or with a mother, there were also absolutely moments of light and it is our responsibility to go back and find them so that when I'm perhaps angriest when I'm remembering something from my mother I go out and dig up a letter from when I'm 21 or 22 and she's writing to me about loving me and I think wait a minute this is the same woman (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so that you have to hold that balance in your head and there are consequences of, of, of writing and telling other people's stories you may not get sued but your mother may never speak to you again for example or it may shatter you may be the getting all the spotlight and the money and it's going to be a film but you find yourself isolated by people in the family who are angry with you for for publishing what you've published so there's just There is no way for me to tell anybody what to do, but there are ways for me to help them imagine. If I ask a series of questions, if this happens, how will you feel? If this happens, what? And they can answer those questions for themselves and they can do the math. All right, knowing what I've now articulated, what should I do? Yeah, I appreciate that. That's a question that comes up a lot, at least with the memoirists I know. And I would imagine you've heard it a bunch yourself. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. all the time. I think every single workshop I do. <laughs> yes, I remember Deborah Gwartney mentioning that in our interview about how many workshops she's held and how that comes up so much. Yes. 
So let's talk about We Are the Words, which I think that's your newest. Is that your newest book? Well, the Virginia Woolf picture book ah. is the newest book, but in terms of, uh, and of course, actually, the two, come to think of it, are, are in some way aligned because We Are the Words is a Virginia Woolf line, and uh, she is here in We Are the Words. She floats in and out with her knowledge and with the things that I've learned. I've been obsessed with her. I, for this book, I was writing an entire book about what Virginia Woolf taught me as a writer, mm. and it became... Although this book just has traces of that, it, she's still very much here. This book came out of the teaching that uh, I've done for Juncture Workshops, especially the first, there are several parts, but the first nine or ten chapters in the first part came out of illustrated lectures that I gave during COVID on topics ranging from, you know, how to write home to, uh, you know, writing scenically to something I call the obsession vessel, self-portraiture, looking past ourselves, how to manage the clock in memoir, singular lives, mm. universal truths, and the art of the suppose. That's the first nugget of the book. I take a different approach as a teacher, for good or for bad. I mean, it's just, I'm just being honest and branding myself as weird. I go really deep with ideas, and this book has 120, or more than that actually, memoirs or essays that undergird the ideas or provide examples um and and then there are prompts at the ends of most yes. chapters and then there's there's other sections there's sections about you know owning your own Im imagination you know what to do when you're kind of don't have any ideas ideas on form what is a hybrid memoir and then this memoir in pieces what is a collage um, what is a collection of essays what is a not memoir that can still teach and then <laughs> what is it like to be a writer to find that room of your own to be a ghostwriter to to find a mentor to go through the promotion and feel ridiculous about it <laughs> you know and, and all of the all of the stuff and then it, it ends with or, or it comes close not the actual ending but close to the end with an interview a conversation really that Laura my editor of Wife Daughter Self and I did about what it is to be a writer and what it is to be an editor um, and we had we had a really interesting time doing that so it's infused with my own reading my own ideas that that sometimes align with others and sometimes don't and then with my own crafts and the, and then uh, I mean uh, prompts there's also th something in this called the that I call the question cascade where it's a series of questions that from which I hope will erupt ideas for the writer mm, I really appreciated those prompts and those questions at the end of your chapters it's just it's so meaty it's not it's not a thick thick volume I just feel like it's a course. It's a course that has so much to offer. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. So did you feel that there was something that the the genre of craft books was missing? When you wrote this, did you aim for a particular tone that you hadn't seen before? Or was this something that just came out the way it came out and you didn't have to be too intentional about it? You asked the most excellent questions uh, we could talk <laughs> for you. hours um, I, I I am aware of a lot of the craft books and I have an entire shelf over there of them I am always careful not to tread on ground that's already been tread on I'm very nervous about even wandering into the same kind of territory that anyone else might uh, be in so I think more than anything I wanted to 
preserved to the best of my knowledge um, what other people had done and not to cross into that. My degree in the, from the University of Pennsylvania was the history and sociology of science. So that is to say I am self-taught. And mm -hmm. so these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of memoir books and essay, memoirs and essays that I've read have been my teacher. And mm -hmm. they have informed what I believe works. And all of my students have been my teacher. And that's sui generis, right? Because no one else has had that precise experience. Um, mm -hmm. So it comes from that. When I was just starting out writing, I went to Spoleto and met Rosalind Brown and Reginald Gibbons, then went to Prague. These were also family vacations and met mm -hmm. Jane Ann Phillips. And then she, Jane Ann, invited me to Breadloaf the next year to help mm -hmm. her teach. I hadn't published anything really at that point. Interesting. Um, those are the only works, but they're, they're, they were the only workshops that I've ever... Um, so I don't have a model. I don't know what other prompts people give. I don't, it, it, and that is on purpose because I don't want to ever feel like, oh my gosh, did I copy that? You know, I don't want to ever mm -hmm. be that person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do think it's sort of, I, I feel like if I had the time right now, I could just take myself through the book and just kind of put myself through the exercises and just kind of come to a still part of myself and really generate some new material because I mean there's I, I I just feel at this point I have been dappling you know dabbling in a lot of different projects and there's so little time and I'm sure a lot of people have that experience and so many genres and so many forms I want to try what after all these years and all these books do you find challenging in your own writing just yesterday and I know you know this in literary a digital magazine called The Gravity of the Thing, a piece I wrote a full year ago called A Love in the Knots of the Coptic Stitch, as you mentioned, I'm a book artist. It came out and I had not had any faith that that piece would be comprehensible to anyone. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hermit crap piece. It's yes, really, I read it. I read it's, it. It's intense, I loved it. But it's intense and it's odd and I bend language. And I, so a part of me is at that place in my life where I'm, language has always been in my music. It's always been in my bones. It's been my sport, really. Even from the time I was nine, I was choreographing myself on skates. I was doing so many things that, <laughs> that have to do with choreography. And I, and I thought, this is, this is crazy. No one will, no one will publish it or no one will understand it if it is, is it does get published. And I've had such a reaction to that. It, I just received, just while I, we were waiting to come on, this note, which I will respond to better in a, in a little while, from someone who I don't know who read the piece, and then somebody else who I don't know, and they happen to be in a, the same writer's group, and they used the piece as a prompt for their writing last night and during their wow. writing. And I thought, and here I was for years, essentially <laughs> sitting on this piece. I mean, I sent it out in June, and thinking, you're, you're crazy, people are going to think you're crazy. So I, I don't have any more a sense of what will still work of mine. I have it for my students, but mm -hmm. with me, it's almost like I'm writing in another language now, and I know what it means, and I don't know yet. My great challenge is, this is answering your question, is knowing if I'm still within the ballpark of what others will understand. 
Ah, wow. Yes, because I mean, for me, when I'm working on something and I think, do I have something here? Is is there something here that I, that I'm right about in terms of resonance or am I saying anything here? And so if, and I have been trying some more experimental forms, which by no means are, are fully experimental, but for me they are because I'm generally a linear storyteller. Um, so for me, it's really freeing. But when one of them lands in a positive way or they get published, I feel so affirmed. And isn't that the beautiful thing about the wide range of publications there are out there? Mm-hmm. You know, there there are those who, who want something that, that reads from beginning to end, and those are wonderful. And it, it, so I just feel lucky that we live at a time where we can put a prose poem out there and it feels like narrative or we can write from there. And I'm writing some things that are very tethered uh, to the other extreme. I have a piece coming out in Cleaver magazine about how I am, you won't believe this since I'm talking my head off, how, how terrible <laughs> I, I am at answering the question, how are you? And it's um, and my the Cleaver editor got it and she's like, this may, I was laughing so hard when I got this, and I have no idea what is this. What is this? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. She goes, should we publish it? That's like, sure. So well, it, now I, I can't wait to read it. <laughs> yeah, you'll be like, yeah, she talked my her mouth off at me. <laughs> no. Um, so okay. So here's another question before I get to two of my last questions. This one, this one is is near and dear as well, which is you talk about why remaining open and vulnerable is important for a writer. And I wonder how you navigate that yourself. I think I'm terribly open and vulnerable. And it's a it's a, a place that leaves me often hurt, but I would rather be this way. And I'd rather be the woman who even at my age cries at a full moon. I think that it's first about allowing yourself to be endlessly awed by even the ordinary things. I live a very small life. We haven't traveled for years. Um, And so how can I possibly have anything to write about? I only have it to write about because I'm open to how odd or beautiful something is. I think that the hardest work of a beginning writer can be um, uh, taking away all the facade And until that facade, that who I think I'm supposed to be, who I think I'm supposed to sound like, oh, this sounds smart, I should write like that. You have to get rid of all of that before you can start writing your story. Mm -hmm. And how do you do that? Uh, How do you do that? (laughs) Um, I think that we're just, we have to be honest with ourselves. I believe in spending a lot of time alone. I love, this sounds so common and ordinary. I love an open window at night. I am an insomniac. I wait for the call of the fox. I wait to imagine what the birds are doing, to have the birds so I can imagine what they're doing. I just allow myself to become osmotic, allow everything in. And then to do that, you have to hear it, you have to see it, you have to feel it. Just, Mm -hmm. my life is small. How do I make it big? By being part of the world, you know, by by allowing it into my blood, into my lungs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for me, that that really resonates with me. And I also feel for me in my life, it, it shows up as being still and not rushing around or to, similar to what you said, allow things to wash over me and not choose an action right away. Just let it kind of get in there, like osmotic, as you said. So now this question, 
might be very difficult to pin down as well. What are some of the memoirs that you have turned to over and over again? Or I don't know if I can call them your favorite memoirs, but what are some of the memoirs you would love people to appreciate the way you do? The Michael and Donchi's running the family, it was and is uh, just central. Uh, it was one of the early books. I mean, I read all of Andanchi, uh, everything coming through Slaughter, all of it. He, I just love him. I love the sound of his voice. I love what he does. And Running the Family is this collage of a book. It's so sensual. It's got some touches of fiction. It's very clear where it's fiction. He's not trying to lie. There's a difference. And so this book has been seminal for me. I go back to it all the time. I'm, I'm holding in my very hands a signed copy given to me by my agent at the time on the night of the National Book Awards when I was there. Oh. Um, it, is, it is very, very important to me because it says, this is what you can do with language. This is how you can collage your story. Mm-hmm. Abigail Thomas has become, and I am blessed by this, one of one of my dearest friends in the world. And uh, her, but before that, I had read all of her memoirs and uh, she's written fiction too and children's books and poetry. Safekeeping is a, a landmark book, one of the early memoirs and essays. And I wrote an entire piece about its importance for the millions before Abby and I became friends. Anybody who wants to understand how to play with pronoun, how to play with the short, how to, how to redefine chronology as, themo- as themology, I will say it, needs to read Abby's book. I'm a big fan of Judith Kitchen and love her short, what I like to call the memoir and essays, but it's really a memoir in pieces, The Circus Train, written when she's dying of brain cancer. It's just these small, mm-hmm. small pieces that, that, that come back always to this image of her and the childhood and Circus Train. I had the pleasure at Penn last year of having Brenda Miller zoom in. Her book, An Earlier Life, is a, and an not not labeled memoir and essays, neither is safekeeping. I don't think the term was even around then, but uh, Brenda's book is, is supremely teachable. It has many forms. It's her life story. Um, but here you find hermit crab pieces. You have the short, you have the long, you have almost any kind of piece to learn from. And then I'll name one that isn't as well known, but also a dear friend of mine. And I find myself returning to this book again and again to teach it. It's called Head Case, My Father, Alzheimer's, and Other Brainstorms, written by Alexis Orgara, who is a very fine poet. But this is a memoir also in pieces about her father, the early onset of Alzheimer in her father's in her father and Alexis' own long battle since she was three with blackout giving migraines and mm-hmm. so these brainstorms are something she shared uh, with her father as he was dying and um, I love the intense poetics of this book. Mm. Wow, I don't think I've read many of those. I'm excited about that. Thank you so much for those. I'm going to list them in the show notes as well, so anyone can find those books. And in our final moment or two, after all of these important elements of memoir and what the difference is between a linear and a nonlinear story and what you recommend for writers, is there a piece of advice you you really would like to add 
to this interview as we end? You know, I didn't prepare, and yet I think I know what I want to say. And that is uh, something that I've done. I picture us, our group down in Cape May, New Jersey, on, everybody on the floor. This, this works really well. I'm going to go through the whole thing. Take, take four or five or six photographs and write intense bursts of prose that are somehow associated with them. Then, but on index cards. And then, and then put the index cards in three different sequences and write a true story that somehow connects them, but the, the scenes are in a different order. Each time, you're going to discover that your life means something new. And it is a fabulous mini... Um, I came up with this before I even was thinking really about memoir and essays, but we've had this conversation, so, so it comes to mind. It's, it's a fabulous way to, to kind of keep rearranging your life into what percolates up are the most essential themes. Hmm. Thank you. I think you're my first guest who's offered a writing exercise. I appreciate that. So, so where is the best place for people to find you? Well, it depends what they want from me. I, I have a website, Beth Kephart Books, where uh, the essays that I've been publishing are listed and my books are listed and there's a photograph of some of the books. But then I have a, a, a book shop, a handmade, I marbleize paper, I make my own paper, I jelly print and I do all different forms of books. And uh, that Etsy shop is called Bind by Bind. The link is also on Beth Kephart Books. And then Juncture Workshops is, uh, we are offering a series now starting on October 2nd of eight brand new, all new ideas, have not taught this stuff before, illustrated. My husband's actually drawing for pieces of it. And that all of that is listed through junctureworkshops.com. And also there are all the various, you know, we've done a workbook that actually schools seem to use quite a bit called Tell the Truth, Make It Matter. We have a, a journal with my husband's illustrations and some bits of poems that's like a writing journal. So there are all these. And then there's a newsletter uh, every, for free, of course. Every month I write something pretty intense about either something I've read or something I've been thinking about. So you can sign up for that through Juncture Workshops. Wow. And I've been to your site and there's, I didn't, there's, it's so much. It's, yeah, it's that's just, the problem right there. <laughs> well, oh no, it's chock full. And I don't know how you find the time to do everything that you do. Oh, uh, well, it's because I get up early and I, I'm really behind right now. Um, I have a new book coming out next October for adults <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm, I'm racing to do, it's a very, very deeply researched book and I'm doing all the cross checks of the research mm. now. And I'm like, I'm behind. So I feel, I, I don't feel like I'm on top of things, to be honest with you. Oh, wow. It's what a force. Thank you so much for being my guest and for spending this time with me. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. I just loved learning from you. Thank you for tuning in to Let's Talk Memoir. For more about this episode and my guest, please visit the link in the show notes or on Instagram at Ronit Plank. That's R-O-N-I-T-P-L-A-N-K. You can also follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. If you liked this episode of Let's Talk Memoir, please go ahead and share it with your friends and subscribe. And if you have two more seconds, you can rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, which really does help other people find the show. Thank you so much for being here.